Blog Talk Radio. House Witches. My name is Raina Starr. I am your host. Have I mentioned how much I'm tired of that damn theme song and I really need somebody to give me something different? Anyway, Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this may not be the show for you. Also, I'll give you a heads up. There is going to be a conversation about what? COVID-19. That's where we're at. So <laughs> the parameters have been set, aside from other good stuff. So my guest this evening is the amazing Mortellis, author of Do I Have to Wear Black, which was a fantastic book. They are going to talk about their upcoming book. It is happening. I'm so excited. But before I bring Mortellis on, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your amazing witching needs. She's got poppets. She's got candles. She's got everything. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for the hour. My friend, the amazing Mortellus. Hey, Mortellus. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hey, what you been up to? How you been? How you feeling? How's the oh pandemic treating you? Oh, it's it's always fun to be a death worker in uh in a pandemic, but and by fun I mean like the worst thing ever. <laughs> it's yeah. Uh, it uh wears on your on your your mind and body if you're very empathetic at all. Yeah, and I would assume that anybody who is a death worker has like probably more empathy than most people. Um, it is not for the faint of heart. I would assume you have to be made of out of some pretty tough stuff to be able to do that and not fall apart on a daily basis. I mean, and this has probably been, I mean, I don't think anybody really expected a pandemic to come across us a couple of years ago, but I don't know. Is it something we're always on the verge of and we just, you know, most folks don't know about it or, I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty, it was pretty unexpected for me. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I'm i I'm not a very psychic person. That might come as a surprise to everyone, but I'm really not. Um, my work with the dead sort of stands independently of anything else. And I had, uh, I, I always joke, I'm, I'm not a medium. I use the word because it explains better than anything else. But I always think of a medium as a really talented psychic, someone with a full set of psychic senses, hearing, sight, and so on. Yeah. I have just been dead before. <laughs> I'm not psychic at all. That's a, that's a different thing. But, that, oh, my God, I've lost all sense of time. I have no idea when things happen. But um, I had received this message from a spirit that was trying to communicate with me 
um, I guess back in 2019, and I had no idea at the time what they were trying to say to me. Um, yeah. But now I know exactly what they were trying to say to me, and I, I feel stupid for being so caught off guard. Well, I mean, was it like a warning? Do we always, I mean, do we always know when it's a real message? I mean, sometimes I think I'm getting a message and then it's like, no, asshole. Somebody else told you that, (laughs) you know? So I'm like, I don't know. I feel like as a witch, I am one of the first people to go, nah. That's just, can find a different explanation. That's not a magical thing at all. I'm like the biggest skeptic. Me too. Yeah. I'm always trying to kind of find a different reason for whatever is happening in my life, which is, I don't know, maybe I'm always just <laughs> keeping myself in the dark, but I don't know. I think it's really good to be skeptical. I do, too. I think it's wise to not just assume everything is magical. As I'm known for saying, sometimes shit is just shit. Everything is not a goddamn message job, <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. So, author of, but do I have to wear black? My understanding is there's a new book coming. Talk about there, it. There are several new books coming. I don't know why Llewellyn keeps putting up with me, but here we are. I suppose I should take a moment. <laughs> I should take a moment to say that do I have to wear black? Just one. Uh, two awards, and I won yet a third for blogging, which I'm very proud of and surprised and confused. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I know you won two witchies. Congratulations. Um, I did not realize you had also won for a blog, I, because I know the artwork on your book is amazing, and the, the yeah. book is amazing. So you won. also won, was that a different award for the blog? It, it was. Um, I won a witchy award for um, Outstanding Pagan Book of the Year and um, for Best Cover Art and for Outstanding Blog Post of the Year. I have a blog over on my website at mortellus.com and um, my my post titled Spring Riot won Post of the Year. So that, that was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. I'd love to know how those are determined. Was it determined, do you think, by how many people loved it and shared it? I mean, I don't know how blogging works because I'm not a blogger. Um, the witches are totally, they're fan nominated and fan voted. So most votes won. And uh, I I suppose somebody out there liked it and nominated it. So, or enough people that it, oh, no. that it got the nomination. Right. 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 No, no. I know how the witchies work. I was asking about the blog itself. Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't know. I, yeah. I share where I can and hopefully people pass it along. But... Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, because your, your blog is great. Your store is great. Can you talk about the store a little bit before we talk about the new book? Oh, God. I'm so bad at, like, the, the youth salesperson routine, but I have a I have a website. I make stuff. It's for sale there. <laughs> I, I, I try to make a source for, I, I try and be a resource for ethically responsibly sourced um, death goods, which I think is something we're seriously lacking in, in occult and pagan communities. And 
So I try and make those things available, but it also has a lot of stuff that is just born from things I like doing. <laughs> I uh, I really have a soft spot for blending fragrances, actually. I don't, it's probably something people don't know about me. So I try and put that to use in the spell candles I make. So I have uh, a lot of really unusual ones there. And um, I just put up some perfumes. It was my first time making those. And really enjoying that is my kind of thing so what do you make like what kind of fragrances are you using so everything that I use is natural um, locally sourced where possible Um, I use a lot of things that I grow or just available here around my home but um, so huge pet peeve of mine is when you buy a spell candle and they have all kinds of like garbage in them that is going to explode and burn your house down. (laughs) Yeah. I wanted, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I wanted to be able to create candles that would be naturally scented, made from natural materials. I use 100% soy wax, which is from small farms here in the United States. I'm really happy about that. Um, so I, I wanted to use things that just had no no dyes, no artificial fragrances, no junk in them. Spent a lot of time trying to with a method by which I could infuse the base materials of my candles with magical goods and items without leaving those items in there. Uh huh. So. That's been kind of a big part of my process. Great. It's not, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing as far as the confidence in the purchase. Like if you can say that you bought stuff that was ethically sourced and feel good about it, I think that's really meaningful, especially now, Um, you know, with climate change and all of the other things out in the world and the pollution and the man-made crap and, you know, the burning of plastics and paper and, you know, it's just nice to be able to have a resource where you can get stuff that you know is made absolutely as well as it could be made. So that that's pretty awesome, I think. Yeah, I had gotten a, I got a message from someone yesterday who asked why after they burned my candle it got all bumpy looking and... I realized that was something people don't know because they're so used to seeing candles that have all kinds of additives in them to make them smooth and perfect. Mm-hmm. But that's how you know something is made out of pure soy wax. It, it will get sort of bumpy uh-huh. and irregular after it's been burned. So I had to kind yeah. of explain that. Yeah, that's it's interesting how used to crap we are. Um, right. You know, <laughs> I mean, I... Because I buy, I buy only soy because I get sick if there's, like, bad wicks and bad wax and bad fragrance. I'm, like, sensitive. I have a sensitive nose. I get headaches, and my sinuses get mad at me if it's not good stuff. And, yeah, no, I can totally tell the difference. And, you know, I, I have kind of a similar story where, you know, somebody stood there and felt, you know, because they didn't know that I knew, they explained to me that, you know, 
the divots and the wax and everything were normal. And I'm like, no, 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 I know. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting that folks don't know, but it's because that, you know, for the most part, all that's ever around really is a bunch of shit from Walmart. And, you know, I mean, no shade on Walmart in that regard. I mean, you know, but if you're going to buy something that gives off anything in your home, you should try to make it as natural as possible. I used to, and I'll be very honest, I used to collect tons and tons of candles, and I wound up throwing most of them away because I didn't realize they were going to make me sick until they started to make me sick. So I'm just better off having a few candles that are really good quality. Well, then maybe it will uh, bring you a little cheer to know that I sent you a package with some of my homemade candles and one of my perfumes in it. Yay! I was, Thank you. I was hoping it would have been there already, but the mail has been so bad. Oh, I know. But thank you. That is so sweet. I really appreciate the thought. Oh, see, I'm lucky. <laughs> thank you. That's awesome. I can't wait to get it. I will be on the lookout for it, too. Um, but I want to talk about the new book. So can, what can you tell us about it without all of us getting in trouble? <laughs> well, I do have the permission to pick the title now, which I'm really excited about. So you'll you'll be getting that scoop, I guess. Yay. It's called The Bones Fall in a Spiral, An Introduction to Necromancy and the Magic of Death. Wow. Wow. Holy shit. Okay, so tell me more. Tell me what's in it. Give me some hints. <laughs> well, it's kind of a, kind of hard to explain. I think I... I fooled myself into thinking I was going to write a different book when I started <laughs> started that process. <laughs> so I, there is not a polite way to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to do it anyway, Raina. <laughs> okay, good. There aren't good books on necromancy out there. They either have okay. a lot of personal notice in, a, in them that isn't clear or they have no citations and you have no idea what the, the history or provenance of the information is or or they're just like written by bigots in a Halloween font. <laughs> I, I wanted something wow. better. <laughs> I wow. wanted to write the book that I wanted to buy 10 years ago, right? Like, So I, I, uh, I pitched the idea of just writing a really simple, straightforward book about, you know, practices and origins and just kind of a look at everything. And the more I worked on it, the more I realized that, unfortunately, it's one of those arts that has such a stink about it because thank you Catholics in, you know, 15th century for ruining everything. But there's just not a lot about practice out there. So I started building this this entire sort of tradition from the ground up. So not only will you find an extremely comprehensive spell book within the pages and the history and ethics and all that fun stuff, but an entire look at what your working tools are, how to acquire and make them, what your base components are and how to acquire or make them, um, ritual, what the structure of that looks like, um, and even a set of uh, Sabbath rituals. So it is extremely comprehensive. 
Wow. You know, I know that there is always a call for certain types of books, and I have never read a book on necromancy that I like. Oh, I said that out loud, child. Um, so I'm interested because I like the way you write. Um, I am, I'm super interested in seeing what you have to say about the subject matter and how you approach it. Because I'm assuming that as a death worker, you're more in tune to the subject matter than probably a lot of the people who write about this. I mean, am I casting too much um, negativity on folks or something, or am I just being accurate? Because it just feels like there's a certain level of knowledge that you have to have about certain things before you write about them. Does that make sense? I think I think I see where you're coming from, and and I I both totally agree and completely disagree. <laughs> Isn't that okay a fun then? <laughs> yeah, I I mean I think there's always the question of, of sort of access and ability. Not not everyone is going to be able to you know go off and go to school and learn a new process and then you know walk that path in its entirety. But I do think okay. and and. I, I've said this before that I think that a lot of practitioners stop short. I say that a lot quiet of my house and I'm ranting to my to my spouse about stuff when no one can hear me. But it's like you you uh you get up one day and you call yourself a necromancer, but have you ever even seen a, a dead body, a dead human body, or least of all uh-huh. interact with one or worked with one? <laughs> And I think that's true in other areas as well. And it's, I'm a plant witch, but do you do you really work with plants? Are they a part of your life? To what extent are you doing that beyond owning a ficus? That's right. I brought that back <laughs> from the 80s up now. Ficus. That was a never fancy word. We're bringing it back. I have resurrected it. <laughs> yeah, you have. Oh my gosh, that's funny though. But it's also true. I mean, I mean, I understand exploring a path. I understand writing from this much knowledge and it growing into that much knowledge. But necromancy is a, in my opinion, a very specific thing. Is it, is it definitely, not? Definitely. Okay, so and it I is mean, it is I so relevant. Yeah. No, I and I get that. I but I'm I'm thinking maybe I'm wording this. Maybe let me let me try to reword the question. So, oh. is there more of an advantage being someone who's a death worker when it comes to practicing or exploring necromancy? Maybe that's the better way to ask. I see where you're coming from. I do think there is an advantage to your connection with that magic to working with the dead. I don't think that necessarily means professionally working with the dead. I mean, there's always volunteer okay. work that you in that position, like volunteering for hospice or um, for those that it's for doing 
desk doula work or midwifery, that sort of thing. But I do think there is a benefit to that hands-on interaction with the dead or dying. Okay. So maybe that's just a better way for me to ask that question as opposed to making it sound <laughs> negative, which I didn't really intend, but I'm learning too. Um, well, it would be helpful if I wasn't, like, cool. you know, obtuse. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. Sometimes I have to stop and rethink, like most humans, I have to stop and rethink, did that come out the way I meant it to come out? And sometimes, you know, it doesn't. And I don't think there's any, that's another thing. (laughs) I think it's okay to say, hang on, let me try that again because I don't like the way that felt the first time. I mean, people seem, like, so afraid to, like, maybe admit that they made a mistake. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. But sometimes I think it's a good idea to, like, stop, reassess, and, you know, oh, let me take another whack at it because I don't like the way that came out. And people just seem so incredibly hung up about it. And I'm like, dude, I, I'm just trying to get it right. It may take me an extra minute. I'm an older person. And I'm tired. <laughs> so, you know, I'm still learning, you know, everything. And I think when you stop learning and you stop exploring, you've kind of given up on everything. Right. But I find a lot of people do that these days. They just give up on trying to make it right or trying to get it right or I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, maybe I'm the one being obtuse. I don't know. But I'm very interested in seeing your next book. So when are we going to get it? <laughs> oh, I think, as is the way of publishing, I finished it a couple months ago and we're editing it now, but it will not hit shelves probably until September of next year. Things are, are oh, really oh. rough in terms of distribution and just yeah. even getting paper to print things on. So I, I'm totally okay with being a part of the process of easing the burden on, on the system. Well, that's really nice of you. I'm sure there are people who are not that nice. But, um, you know, I... I don't, yeah, supply chain management issues have been really hitting people, and yeah, for sure. you know, it getting things, getting everything, getting paper products, getting binding material, getting inks, <laughs> even getting inks has become a problem. It's it's amazing mm-hmm. to me how writers even survive. You know, there seems to be this mythology around people who write books that they have money, and it's like I don't know anybody with money. I am. People keep coming on the show. (laughs) I'm extremely transparent about my finances because I think it's really important for people to see. And this always, 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 always results in someone getting angry and messaging me and saying, you got to take that down. It makes us all look poor. (laughs) But uh, I, I recently, just a couple of weeks ago, got my very, very first royalty check ever. And I wrote my first wow. book like two years ago and after hundreds of thousands of hours devoted to it, it's so weird to only just see that. And um, it was 
for um, January to July. My book came out in February, and I got um, $1,700 and some change. I can't remember exactly. 1,700 something, which felt like a lot to me because I'm like super fucking broke all the time, but is also not a lot, really. No, it's not. And people need to understand, especially if that's their soul. If that's the writer's soul methodology of making money, no one is getting rich here, okay? Unless you have like super representation and an agent who is constantly pounding the pavement on your behalf. I mean, that doesn't seem to happen in a lot of occult books um, or what are considered occult books, you know. I mean, it's a very specific genre. It's a very specific, um, yeah, genre. That's like the best word for it. Um, and I just, I find it hilarious when people make assumptions, and I've seen this a lot too, uh, where people are like, well, information should be free. Really? Should it? I don't remember my college tuition being free. And nobody was willing to teach, you know, I didn't have a professor willing to teach me for free. Um, so I don't understand why, you know, having to pay for the benefit of someone else's knowledge that you could learn that too um, is such a problem. I don't understand the disconnect between this person has knowledge and is going to teach you. This person wrote their knowledge in a book and they're trying to teach you. So what's, why would you pay for one and not the other? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's super weird. And it's funny, you were talking about sort of like sources of income. I can only speak to myself, right? Because I don't know everybody's story, but um, through the entire pandemic, all my death care work has been volunteer. I've done volunteer work for Health and Human Services, for disaster mortuary operations teams, for, oh God, for uh, the Medical Reserve Corps. I've just bopped around everywhere for free doing whatever. And and I know there's there's always someone on the internet that's like, we have the privilege to do that. I don't really. It's like super hard. I've slept on floors and like not eaten for days because I <laughs> because I couldn't afford to do that. But um, yeah, my only income is from my web store, which I get a few orders a week, like three or four maybe. But um, I stay usually. I'm usually in the hole just a little bit on what I make because I'm not selling it to make a living. So when I do a workshop or, or something, that's what really, you know, helps me live. But I always make everything I have. I always have an option. That's like, I have a workshop tomorrow at three o'clock, by the way, anyone listening that wants to attend, there's still totally space and I'm hype about it. But if you have a financial barrier to access, reach out. I keep a coupon code so that anyone that cannot afford it can attend free. I don't have a Patreon so people can access everything I do all the time for nothing. And I keep a donation link on my website. So, like, only one person has ever used it, which is funny. People ask me all the time if I have a Patreon they can subscribe to. And I'll say no, but I have a donation link. But it just goes ignored, which I don't understand that weird disconnect. Well, I mean, the Patreon is for exclusive content, 
And I guess people feel like, you know, and, and listen, I no shade to anybody who has a Patreon because sometimes it's the difference between people eating and not eating. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I've never had a Patreon. I never want a Patreon. I would have to be in really dire straits to consider it. Um, and besides, it's a it's a podcast. What kind of content could I come up with? I'm not going to limit people's access to these wonderful authors because that's what I do. I mean, I'm here to promote authors and to have conversations with interesting people about interesting stuff. I mean, you're interesting. You, <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're very interesting. What you write is interesting. Your website's interesting. And I've, I've noticed the fact that you're one of, I mean, I think you're like one of the only people I've ever seen who constantly has a do not let money be a barrier. And I'm like, Wow, that's that's very generous. It's super important to, to me. I've spent most of my life super poor, like no shit. I when I was a kid, we would go days without food. I have literally been in a position of dumpster diving for food before, and I'm lucky as an adult to be stable. And please read that to me. And I have enough, <laughs> but. Right. Um, not wealthy. My spouse works for the post office one day a week. Like, we make exactly enough money to pay our bills, and we don't have anything extra that we don't need because we want to be able to spend as much time with our kids as we can. And, but I don't want anybody that's to okay. feel like they can't access something that I have that they might need because I've been there. I've been in that position before. Oh, yeah. I have two. I have two. I mean, all through my second marriage, I was married to a drug addict. And, you know, very often the rent would go missing, the food money would go missing. You know, it was more than once that money was stolen out of my purse by him. Uh, and it was like, this is the money that puts the roof over your children's heads. Oh, this is the that. money that puts – yeah, I mean – right? <laughs> it's astounding, you know. And that, my ex-husband wasn't a drug addict. He just had this terrible, I want to be a musician habit. Everyone listening, like, oh no. <laughs> well, I mean, but, I'm married to a musician who never did that. You know, obviously all musicians are not the same. Some people, you know, are able, lucky enough to be able to make a living at it. Very few and far between, though. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I get it. But but if it's a dream, whether it's a dream like your former person had or it's a drug addict like my former person was, I mean, it's it's – it makes life difficult. And if there are children involved, it's even worse because every, I mean, you can, I can take care of myself. When my kids were little, that was the primary focus. It's like they have to be okay. No matter what your situation, dude, person is doing, um, 
you know what I mean? And it's hard. It's hard to deal with somebody who's got such a skewed sense of priorities that, you know, it, it's it's pretty terrible. But I don't want to drag everybody down. I'm sorry, guys. The point is, is that Mortellus is very generous about their time, very generous about um, sharing information, a lot more generous than, you know, lots of other people. Um, but that's, you know, everyone is called to something different in a different way. Some folks, you know, do discounting on products. Some people do, you know, live classes, and sometimes they're free. I mean, Everyone has to do what they're comfortable with. And, for again, for some folks, it's the difference between having a meal and not eating. So, you know, whatever people are able to do for the community is is awesome. And, you know, the whole thing really is about the community. And we keep having these fucking conversations about the fucking community. But nobody I wants know. to act like a goddamn community. What the actual fuck is your take was, on this? I, I'll answer that question, but I do want to say something. Like you said earlier, we have to be better at backtracking and saying, wait a minute, I think I was an asshole. <laughs> I did not mean to sound that negative about musicians. I really didn't. That particular spouse had like a dozen and one like awful things that could have come out of my mouth instead of that. But it's like such a trope, right? So I apologize for unintended negativity. I take it back. (laughs) Didn't mean it. Oh, no. You know, that's (laughs) cool. Hey, listen, if you feel, listen, I will always give people the opportunity to say, okay, you know what? That shit came out wrong. Let me let me try to fix that shit up because we're human and sometimes it's a gut reaction and sometimes, you know, we're feeling some kind of a way because of a phone call or what have you that went on during the day or custody issues or, you know, the sale of a house issues. I mean, there's all kinds of shit that gets tied into ending relationships or previous relationships or what have you. And, yeah, no, I'm all for people saying, hey, let me, can I go back and, like, fix what I said? Yes, do that. That is cool. And I'm so tired of people trying to pretend to be perfect. So come be imperfect with me. I love that. And and you you were talking about you never know what might be going on that makes a person feel a way. I. I was married to my first spouse for 10 years, which is, let's don't even get into how embarrassing that is. I have so much empathy for my younger self and all the therapy they needed. <laughs> Hugged mm-hmm. at that section in my past. But after it's been nine years since we got divorced, people are doing math. Mm-hmm. I'm very old. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really. I'm 39. That's the, that's the answer. But um, after nine years, my... My my oldest child is grown. They're all grown up. They're 19 and recently moved out. And they were telling me just this week that their their dad's mom, my ex mother in law, um, when they had an opportunity to actually sit down and like put some things right with my child and and give context for how you know not there for for them, you know they weren't. Um, 
Instead, they spent their time quizzing my child about me. They're a witch. Uh, did they ruin Jesus for you? <laughs> and I've been so for like two weeks about it. You know, I really, I don't know. Some people, that is the only way they get to feel better about their child or their situation or themselves or whatever is by casting, you know, disparaging comments on a previous spouse. Now, I will tell you, I have all of the reason in the world to cast negativity on my second husband because he was abusive. I'm sorry, all bets are off. If you physically abuse me, if you don't support your kids, you're a shit. (laughs) That could just be my take on it. But, you know, you helped me bring these people into the world. You kind of need to be there and step up, even though we're not together. But that didn't happen. Okay, so the benefit of that was I didn't have to have your shit influence in my children's lives, which is all good. The negative was I worked two jobs, a full-time and a part-time, every single day until I turned 45 years old. So sometimes negativity is deserved, and sometimes, you know, if you don't want to cast negativity, I understand. I personally think that makes you a better person than me, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, (laughs) Because there's a lot of people who are better than me, and I'm very cool with it because I know what kind of a shit heel I am. And I'm very clear about it, and I'm very actually okay with it. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I had the same thing when uh, his mother was still alive. He is – his mother has since passed, but there, of course, was a lot of negativity thrown in my direction, um, especially when I remarried. Um, But it didn't stop me from letting them stay in my house for holidays, Um, because nobody had enough money to, you know, go to a hotel or do any of the things. So I basically, and, you know, my current spouse was was seriously wonderful about it and was like, yeah, you know, they need to spend time with the kids, and we did that whole thing. Um, But they still shat on me anyway, so it was kind of like a waste of goodwill. But you know, you do the best you can to do all the good you can while you're here, but sometimes it just doesn't fucking work out. Sure. And I started yeah. to respond to that, that I was just as bad a person as you are, but it made me think of something from, I was talking to the absolutely wonderful Misha Magdalene, author of Outside the Charm yeah. Circle. If everyone has yeah. not read that, please go read it. It's such a good book. Um, uh-huh. And I was commenting uh-huh. about what how terrible I think I am, <laughs> because we do that with our friends, right? And right. she said to me, no, you aren't. You've just got a little salt in you, but what good meal doesn't? And, you know, I'll take it. Ah. <laughs> oh, you know, Misha comes up with these lines that are just like, Wow. That is a smart person. I am telling you, Misha is way cool. Uh, Misha will also be a guest again in the new year. 
Uh, we have the date already set. Check local listing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and you can check the events page for the show. Um, but, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes somebody comes up with that perfect line, you know, and it kind of puts every, it snaps everything back into perspective. And I love doesn't have some salt. That's perfect. It is. It is. We need a T-shirt. We all, <laughs> we all need. I'm telling you. Well, I mean, and I, I want folks who are listening to take that in when you feel like, when you're starting to feel a little bit negative and you're feeling a little salty. Remember the incredible words. What good meal doesn't have some salt? That's fucking gold <laughs> right there. I love that. I love that. I'm gonna. I will probably use that, and I will go ask permission. But yeah, I mean, that should that should definitely be on a t-shirt. I am all. F- I'm here for that. I am totally here for that. But anyway, I was asking you about um, some community else. and <laughs> community, and I want to talk. I want you to talk about what that means as far as, because I have been on a fucking tear. Anybody who heard my birthday show knows. I am so tired of people who say, oh, community, community, and then act like complete shit to other people. It makes me insane. So please, this has been like my topic of the year. Talk to me about your view of what happens when people say one thing and do another. Oh, Lord, Liz. <laughs> I, uh, your poor listeners are just listening to, like, the witch and bitch hour right now, which is <laughs> I feel so bad. They like that. But, That's okay. They're not tied to the radio. They can change the channel if they want to. They're here because they want to be. And if y'all don't want to be, that's okay, too. We're having a conversation. Goodness. I don't know. I think um, the the very exact conversation with Misha in which that salty comment came up, I was talking about community, more or less, and talking about how isolated I feel really which might come as a surprise to to you or your listeners but it seems like these days everything is so deeply divided and it's not divided in ways that you might have imagined when I said the word but divided across lines that demand that we answer the question are we willing to tolerate the intolerant or are we willing to listen to opinions that hurt others or are we open to making space for people who want to exclude and I'm just not and when I hit those walls with with anyone I guess where I've I've found something that I just can't reconcile within my own ethical boundaries or my own morals then I just I summon up the triple goddess of the internet, you know, block, mute, yeah. <laughs> unfriend, unfriend, and that's that's all yeah. fine and good. If you're you're an author, and those people you happen to be blocking on Twitter are other authors, and then it becomes a screenshot of 
Mortellus blocked me, and why would they do that, forgetting that awful thing they said the day before? And there's sort of this strange breaking point where anybody that upholds their own ethical boundaries hard enough becomes the villain, and that's that's such a strange position to be in. But I think really oh, that... I think the concerns of the community are really different than the concerns of people like the Llewellyn authors of the world or whatever, the, you know, the Patheos mm-hmm. authors. It's like they're living in a different world, and I do my very best not to occupy it at any point, <laughs> at any point in time because it's just it's not reality. It's, it's this place where everyone's just sitting around harping on hypotheticals of what magic anybody yep. ought to be practicing or what people ought to read or how they ought to read it. And I don't know. I feel like I'm not being clear about my opinion, but it sucks out there. No, I think you are here. And here's, here's where it rubs for me. I believe that I am not the thought police and everyone is entitled to their own thoughts. Okay. That's fine. I don't need to know them. I don't want to know them, and I don't think they're for, for necessarily public consumption. I think people have a right to live in their heads and believe whatever internal dialogue they select. But there are real consequences out in the world if those things are exclusionary, if those things are hurtful, if those things are intended to separate people from each other and draw dividing lines in the community is where I don't want to know. I don't want to know you. I don't want to know what you're doing. I'm, I don't, I'm not interested in this. This is not my path. So sometimes there's a level of persecution for that because people want an explanation. Well, why are you feeling this way about this person or that person? And those are often private feelings. And some of us don't want to share every little thing that comes out of our, you know, psyches. You know, I do very little fighting on the Internet. I do very little interaction on the Internet um, as far as, anything having to do with anybody but me. I talk a lot about my opinions. I talk a lot about my feelings. And I talk a lot about the people I do and don't want to interact with. Now, however people want to take that is up to them because the only person I can control is me, as I'm sure you'll agree. And there's just not room for exclusionary shit, in my opinion, because you are cut you are dismantling the community when you tell people that they are the other or that they don't belong or that they don't have a seat at the table or you're going to go and do your thing you are welcome to go and do your thing go ahead but i don't have to do it with you and neither do the rest of us you are preaching to the choir that's funny. I yeah. um, identified as non-binary. I've been out as non-binary for a couple of years, but for a really long time, I used she, they pronouns, whatever anybody mm-hmm. wanted to call me. I it. And uh, I learned a while back, not too long ago, I've, I've been in a vaccine trials, the COVID-19 vaccine trials. I've been a guinea pig since the beginning, which 
has been rewarding and scary and you know here's another mystery needle we're gonna poke you with <laughs> I, I'm proud wow. to be part of it but yeah. uh, the fun thing about it is they do all kinds of tests and stuff all the time so I found out through that process that I am a chimera which is something I barely knew existed in the world but Basically, it's when a person is more than one person. Uh-huh. I would, if if my twin hadn't died, I would have been twin a twin at birth. Um, mm-hmm. But they did, and I absorbed them. My parents did not know they were carrying twins, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my twin would have been assigned male at birth, and apparently I have two mm-hmm. sets of DNA. I have XX and XY chromosomes. Some of my body is theirs, and some of it is mine. Like, I know two of my fingerprints belong to my twin. I have three kidneys, and one is theirs. <laughs> it's just super weird. Wow. So You're I decided. So it's such That's a so weird cool. fucking thing to know about. Super weird. But um, I decided as a way of honoring my deceased twin that I never knew existed that I would use they-them pronouns because well, who's more they than two people stuck in one body? <clears throat> and I have gotten absolutely. I have gotten so many horrible comments since choosing to use they them pronouns, uh, even from well-known individuals who have taken the time to reach out and make it clear to me that I don't belong in in my own trad <laughs> or like. Uh, Wicca is a polarity, you know, we, you know, there's not a space for trans people, et cetera. Like, I have to hear all this bullshit. And Wow, are you shitting me? Oh, no, it's definitely happening out there. But if these are people who okay. aren't even taking the time to get to know me or who I am or or know what a sort of memorial that is for me to a, a deceased sibling or any of those things at all, really. Just like, just keep your fucking shit opinion to yourself. I don't want it. <laughs> okay, so can I just say, I, I do know what a chimera is, and I have never met one, but I'm honored to know you, and in my opinion, you belong everywhere. <laughs> wow. Not, you're not only not limited by a single gender, you are everything and belong everywhere. I, I, I can't think of someone who belongs in more spaces. It is a weird feeling. It really is. And as a death worker and a necromantic practitioner, it's interesting to imagine that part of my body belongs to a dead person. And it's like, are am I part corpse or... Are they sort of reanimated within me? And is my consciousness sort of haunted by that person? It's a very liminal thing, and I haven't, I haven't really sorted it out in my own mind, but it's, there's so many interesting questions there. Okay, so I have a take on it. Now, obviously, not living your experience. I am coming at it only from my brain. Um, and I would – and and – what I think when you say this, and thank you so much for being brave enough to say that, like in front of 
the folks who actually listen to my show. Um, that you're so cool for doing that. Thank you for like showing folks that there's lots of different people in the world. But my my opinion of what you say or my feeling about what you say is, it's not that you're inhabiting or or a dead person is inhabiting you. I think you are uh, you you are the essence of a mutual life force, which makes you like more alive, maybe and more. It's more like two colors of a Play-Doh put together. <laughs> yeah, but that that makes a different color of Play-Doh, and that's a unique color. And no matter how many times other people might try to mix those two colors, it will never be found like you. Does that make sense? I get it. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Like also, you're, yeah, like I, you're. I mean, I understand that there would have been an additional human person. I look at you now as being two human people, and I think that's pretty fucking glorious, actually, because you're here with us, and we get to talk to you and and ask you questions and be your friend. And I mean, that's that's so cool. I think that's ultra cool because, again, if you're everything, you belong everywhere. So I don't subscribe to the division aspect of any of the shit. Um, to me, you're like hyper, hyper person, like big person. I don't, I'm not saying this right, am I? I sound stupid. I, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like bravery would be telling your listeners that that weird mole on my left hip is actually my twin's nipple. That that would be brave. <laughs> but there it is. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> I have a problem with that. I don't know. I see people are so strange. I People have an issue with shit that is like, how could you have an issue with this when, A, it happened organically? B, I didn't choose it. C, there's nothing I can do about it, nor would I. I mean, really? <laughs> you are what you are, and that's a myriad of stuff that a lot of the rest of, well, most of the rest of us will never fully understand. You're, you, like, occupy this place in the universe where you can be anywhere, any, you fit everywhere. I, you know what I mean? In ways that I never will. Like you have, I'm sure part of your brain is that brain and your essence is part of that essence. And like, you've got this, you're all these different things. And I think that's just so magical and cool. And you're like a real magic person. Do you know much body. about? Do you know much about alchemy? I'm kind of I a nerd. Don't. I've always had, I've I've had friends who are alchemists, but I don't know a lot about it. My, tell me. One of one of my favorite things about alchemy, someone pointed it out to me after I found out I was chimeric. They brought it up. It just hadn't crossed my mind, I guess, at the time. And they were like, "You're like an alchemical rebus," and then I had to sit with that because. An alchemical rebus is the end product of the great work. Um, after 
a being has gone through the stages of putrefaction and purification, those separate qualities are united. Um, and it's considered a sort of divine hermaphrodite. You're just sort of this amalgam of all things, male and female within a single body, the sun and moon, um, all opposites are bound together within the rebus, which I thought it was really poetic to think of my body that way. That's so cool. That's exactly what I mean, though. You're like this perfect, you're like a perfect person. And you're a magical perfect. I don't know about you. I know you, you, you don't know, but I'm saying. I'm an Olsen and I know some shit too. And my feeling is, is that someone who inhabits the ability and the spirit and the knowledge and the essence of multiple, you have been able to be and reach things that most of the rest of us will not understand, in my opinion, just my opinion. But this is, but this is how I view what you've just told me. Like you are this magical being. I just think it's really magical. And I hope that's not offensive to you. <laughs> totally. Because I, I, okay, cool. Because I, I can see where maybe I'm, maybe I'm stepping out of bounds. I don't mean to be, but for me, someone who has the qualities that you have just described is very super magical and you will understand things that I will never understand. And that, and knowledge is everything. Knowledge is so important. So the fact that you have this within you, I think is so incredible. So yeah, that's my opinion. And I knew you were groovy anyway, but now you're like, you've got all these extra magic things that I didn't know. Now I know. <laughs> so it's pretty awesome. Um, I wanted to give something to your listeners, by the way. It's probably kind of, it's probably kind of selfish because it, I suppose, uh, ultimately benefits me, but here we are. It's hard to do stuff that isn't that, but um, I know it's kind, of, it's kind of hard for everybody to get things for their holiday shopping this year because of there's all kinds of like shipping bullshit and things are tough. But if anybody wanted to shop in my web store for their holiday shopping, I have a 20% off coupon code. If you type in holiday when you check out, it'll give you 20% off your whole order, not just one item, but the whole order. Wow. But if you want to get it in time for Christmas, you should order it before the end of this month because I have no idea what to expect with the postal service. Mm-hmm. Once I put it in a box, like out of my hands, I can't do, <laughs> I can't do anything about it. Mortel, let's give people the website again. Um, it is myname.com. It's <laughs> mortelis.com. And if you place an order, I would do it fast, and you put in the code HOLIDAY, uh, 20% off your order. That is wow. Thank you so much for doing that. That is so kind. So since we are 
almost out of time. Well, we're kind of out of time, but uh, we could go over a few minutes. Let's go over a few <laughs> minutes and let's talk about what what's coming up. Do you have any classes? Uh, you, you had mentioned that you have a class for tomorrow. I'd like you to talk about that again and any other classes you have coming up and when folks can expect to maybe see you in person. I do have a class tomorrow at 3 o'clock. There's plenty of space, so if you have time, I hope you'll pop in and join us, like I've said before. If you can't afford it, just reach out, and absolutely no questions asked. I will get you a ticket to the class. It's, like, not even a thing. Don't feel weird about it at all. Um, and yeah. the yeah. the name of the class is Building Character. And I'll be talking about something that I'm passionate about, which is tabletop role-playing games. I'm a huge nerd. I love tabletop games, board games, and that sort of thing. But I really want people to—I really want people to see what an awesome tool it can be um, in a magical setting, not just for your own personal magic, but in terms of a learning tool, making yourself a better person, making yourself a better member of that community we were talking about. Um, so there's a, a lot of good tools, and it's good fun. It's it's one of those laugh along and have a good time kind of classes. So if you want to get to know more about me That's as a person, it's definitely a great one to check out. Yeah. Neat. Neat. Yeah. So what else is coming up? I don't have a lot on the books after that. Just, you know, hanging low. Things are... Things are still really, really bad out there, so I've been doing a lot of death care work, and I'm doing my best to not get overwhelmed, and that's, that's hard. Um, yeah. I've been turning down in-person events for, you know, all of this, and don't plan on doing any until after the first of the year, and I can kind of reassess what's going on out there. I don't want my presence to put anybody else in danger. But I'm always online if anybody wants to message me and chat about anything. I am absolutely the person that will email you back if you if you reach out. That's so awesome. I love you so much. You are just so great. I you really you know, when I first met you, you totally like I could feel my face light up when I met you and I'm like yeah. Okay. This is one of mine. I like this person. Um, and and, and you know, then it turned your out book, related, right? <laughs> no, seriously. And your first book was so meaningful for me as somebody who is getting older and is looking, you know, at, you know, what's next after this life, and concerned about my loved ones who are not who are not in my path, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm married to someone who is not um, pagan per se, although some people consider Buddhism a level of paganism. I don't know. I don't really. Um, but, you know, my family needed a tool or will need a tool on what to do and, you know, how to approach what happens with me after I leave this particular form? And your book has been book has been such a comfort to me personally and to my family to know that that information is there and that they can reach out to you. I mean, I, I 
having just turned 60, it becomes even a more pressing thing for me. So I really, I just, folks, if you haven't bought Do I Have to Wear Black, you really ought to. Just even if you're not the person who is a witch, it's just such good information or pagan. I mean, it's really good information to have if something should happen to your loved one. And it's a great gift if you are a pagan to give this as a gift to the people who love you so they will have at least something to start with. I mean, I didn't even know where they should start. So thank you so much for constantly talking about important things and giving people important information and sharing your knowledge and and just being genuinely you, which is beautiful. You're, there's no airs about you. There's no – I mean, you're the nicest person. You really are. And I just – I adore you. You're overselling it. <laughs> Not really. Always, no, see, say, you uh, think so because you're you, you know, and that's <laughs> hilarious because as anybody who knows you, like I know you per se, um, I think would agree with me. So it's my show. I get to say what I want. (laughs) I'll say to you what I say to others pretty often. I'm pretty regular, but thank you for rounding up. (laughs) Always, always. No, seriously, you are great. And we're, we're looking forward to the new book. I'm very excited about that. So I have to ask you, will you come back on when the new book releases so we can just, we can celebrate that too? And like you know, every other week, if you want, I'm always happy to hang out. And if you I have, love it. I love it. <laughs> if you have time to go over a little, I will read an excerpt to your listeners. Oh hell yeah! yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave everybody with something to think about. Awesome. In Forbidden Rites, a necromancer's manual of the 15th century, Richard Keckhofer writes. The rites contained in a manual of necromancy are flamboyantly transgressive, even carrying transgression towards its furthest imaginable limits. I thought of that line when sharing a portion of the rituals contained herein, only to be told that they seemed heretical. This was particularly funny to me at the time, given that the person saying as much was also a Gardnerian Wiccan. And the idea that we might have an orthodoxy that one might commit heresy against in the first place is absurd. You see, (laughs) we have an opinion profoundly at odds with generally accepted orthodoxy, believed generally accepted to be correct. I can't get a dozen witches in my living room to agree on a type of pizza, least of all a dozen covens (laughs) to agree on what is a correct practice for a Wiccan, Gardnerian, or otherwise. But where it really Mm -hmm. falls apart for me is in the idea that necromancy, or rather my personal shake on it, is profoundly at odds with Wicca. Oh no, you think to yourself, recalling the prologue in which I insisted this book would not be fluffy. Yes, the practice I have provided here is foundationally Wiccan, and I don't intend to be apologetic about that. Am I Wicca-washing necromancy? Absolutely not. This is a choice. It's purposeful. Classically, Wiccan rituals have at the least been led by a pair of individuals with one ostensibly representative of life and the other death. And somewhere between that lies a balance of reincarnation, rebirth, 
in the story that is creation. So it was that I found myself considering rather than what makes a ritual necromantic, considering instead what makes the ones we are all too familiar with about life. The general construct of a magic circle straightforward. Declare your intentions, consecrate needed items, cast a circle, call quarters, invoke necessary figures, do any intended work, make offerings, close the space. On a more metaphorical level, the magic circle could be described as a great clock. Midnight set in the east, entrances, beginning, turning on a pivot point. This circle with its quarters neatly laid out represents a build of energy, upward, round and round, right hip to the altars, we move clockwise, creating. But why? Life is linear. And as we move forward in our inexorable march toward death, the hands of the clock move ever forward, the right hand in which we hold our asami, positioning our body's inferior vena cava toward the center, a reminder that, as is nature's way, we are dying. Historically, necromantic rituals have relied upon a concept of invoking death as a return, and therefore a reversal. So what does it mean to turn this life-oriented magic circle on its head? Our clock face reoriented. Midnight now lies in the west, and we begin and end our circumnambulations there. That cross-quarter compass laid out across its face, now a crossroads, a path by which the dead might travel to and from this space. Asami in the left hand, we move counterclockwise around. Now anchored to our magic circle is the side of the body upon which lies the descending aorta, from which life-giving oxygenated blood flows into our bodies, the left atrium of our heart having revived, nay, raised from the dead, lifeless deoxygenated blood within the context of our body's own natural system. What then is functionally different about the necromantic ritual? Walking our ritual back in time, we begin with libations and end with consecration. Rather than building up a cone of power, our energy reverse spirals down into the cavernous depths of the earth. In many folk practices, one danced counterclockwise around a grave to summon the dead and commune with them. Here, we dance around an altar, a bowl of grave dirt at its center. The shades of the dead spun upward to walk the path we have laid down for them. The necromantic ritual is, in essence, adjusting your intention, turning magic on its head. The center of our magic circle, now truly a fulcrum point upon which we might declare mastery over plenogenesis and death. You see, just because necromantic magic operates on a system of reversals doesn't make it a perversion of anything at all. Rather, that to have no elements of death at all is the perversion. We have forgotten that death mm. is part of the battle. For, as Samuel Beckett once said in Waiting for Godot, we give birth a stride of grave. Light gleams in an instant, and then it's night once more. Necromancy isn't really about death. It's about birth. For any magic that is about life will always be about decay. And the magic of death cannot help but be about living. Wow. Yeah, this is why we need this book. I don't think it's the kind of necromancy book people expect. But I hope they like yeah, it. Yeah, it's not. No, that's beautiful. I, You know, people have such a negative reaction to death. And it's why so many of us live fearful. Um, 
and we really, really need to embrace it because we're going to experience it whether we embrace it or not. So mm-hmm. why not make the journey enjoyable? You know, going clockwise around always ends the day. Mm-hmm. When we when we turn our magic around and take a hard look at death, it's always about looking at the life we've been given. It's always about appreciating what we have, looking yep. at what's behind yep. us, and thinking about those moments between us and the grave. It's always about appreciating yep. being alive. Could remember that. It's Listen, I will be honest. It took me a really long time to be okay with the concept of at some point I will not be here. And it took me a really long time to be cool with it. And I don't know if it's because of the weird-ass Christian upbringing I had or just a fear of not being able to get everything done because there is no such thing as getting everything done. We're here and we do as much as we can, but it's never going to be everything. So just be happy with as much as you can do. And I think a lot of that message is that message gets lost and we get too fearful and too bound up about death to enjoy living. And it's so true. Everything about the end should be about what you're doing right now and to take joy in it and to do it well, just live well, even if it just means having good thoughts and having an open heart. It doesn't mean about having money or doing, you know, this or that. I I really think it's about the quality that you bring to your life. And I just really appreciate that you read that for us because that just gives me such a different perspective from what I have seen of books about necromancy before. So you're right. It is a totally different book. I'm so excited to have it come out soon. I'm so excited to have you come back on to discuss it. I can't thank you enough for spending this time with us. It's It's been great. It, it's a pleasure, really. It truly is. Oh, my gosh. I just I will message you shortly. But for now, we're going to wrap up. Please check out www.mortellus.com. Um, Mortellus was generous enough to give us a 20% discount on uh, our orders if we use the code HOLIDAY. So go shop. Go buy quality products. I can't say it enough. Buy good stuff because if you bring crap into your home, it's not good. Bring quality stuff. You don't have to buy everything in sight, but buy stuff that is good for your home, for your person. Definitely quality counts, okay? Mortellus, thank you again. I can't wait to talk to you again. I really appreciate it, and I hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. And as always, it's really lovely to talk to you, and I I appreciate that you come on your show and just be a person and not have to think about putting on airs, as you said. Well, I don't think you could anyway because it's just not you. It's not who you are, and that's one of the things I love about you so much. You're just very real and very 
so kind and generous with yourself and your time. And I just, I really hope people appreciate you. This is something I learned about you when the pandemic started and you've always been 100% giving of your time and so generous and kind to people. And we need more people like you. Absolutely. You are just somebody I really love a lot. But, okay, guys, that's enough of me. Go have a great night. I will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. with Diana Rochelle. We're going to talk about hex twisting. That's right. So y'all have a great night. We will see you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.